Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hey, everybody. I give instant reaction to the Republican National Convention from Tiffany Trump's speech, who I thought was phenomenal, Melania Trump, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and so much more. Email us your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com, and consider supporting us at charliekirk.com slash support, charliekirk.com slash support. Buckle up, everybody. Instant reaction to the Republican National Convention night two. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Hey, everybody. Hope you guys are having a great night. And if you're having a great night, that means you probably watched the Republican National Convention. What a phenomenal production. I mean, I watched the whole thing from start to finish. And it's hard for me to say this. I think today was even better than yesterday. There was not one speaker that did not fit the narrative, that did not make an argument from all sorts of different places of the country, all sorts of different age groups, all sorts of different belief systems, that President Donald Trump is worthy of four more years. It was really incredible. We're going to dive into so many different pieces of kind of that argument that was made tonight. But here's some just a couple takeaways. Every speaker tonight was able to communicate the humanity of Donald Trump, able to really dispel some lies of the American left in the activist media, which is very important, and was also able to show a compelling truth of how if Donald Trump is reelected, their life will materially improve. Now, look, President Donald Trump was dealt a very difficult hand this year. The Chinese Communist Party sent over the Chinese coronavirus, and because of that, our entire country went into bedlam. We shut down our country. Uh, we lost uh, over 165,000 Americans and counting. And so for an incumbent to be able to make an argument to get reelected in the midst of a crisis like that is pretty incredible. But I want to just give credit to these Republican National Convention producers. They did a phenomenal job. The unified stage, actually having a crowd from Melania Trump, all of that, I think, made a tremendous difference. Uh, the production standpoint was world class. I think the aesthetics were phenomenal. And so if you kind of look at uh, how this has been reacted to, uh, you see a lot of people in the middle and moderate Democrats, at least from what we have been analyzing uh, from social media and other places, that are thinking very po- positively and favorably of this convention. So let's start with just a couple of cuts. For those that didn't watch the entire convention, let's, uh, let's start backwards. Let's first start with Melania Trump. So can we just do the intro for Melania Trump? It was so incredible. When you have someone as elegant as Melania Trump, the long intro right through the White House, um, right through the White House, right by the Rose Garden, and then right up to where she gave her speech was absolutely incredible. I mean, the the entrance alone was noteworthy. And and look, I think it was like 150 steps in heels on live national television. And look, she was kind of born for that moment, if we're honest. 
uh, a runway model. She's an immigrant. Uh, Melania Trump is a woman who knows the American dream. Uh, I love that she mentioned communism and the horrors that she saw firsthand. Uh, she honored law enforcement and first responders. She addressed the Chinese coronavirus head on, which stood in dramatic contrast to most of the rest of the speakers. And she did not attack the other side. It was very uh, it was very strategic in her approach there. And she expressed strong sympathy for the victims of the pandemic. So while we are pulling tape uh, for Melania, let's actually go back to one of the other speakers that I thought was very compelling. Do we have tape from Kentucky Attorney General? Uh, Kentucky Attorney General? No, not yet. Well, okay, we'll get there. How about Eric Trump? I thought Eric Trump had, I know we have Eric Trump. Actually, we do have Melania. Let's get to Melania's tape right here. And uh, Melania's entrance, just watch this entrance. You could not have designed a better Hollywood moment. Show me another first lady who could have pulled this off. Play Melania Trump. So just a couple thoughts there. First of all, 150 steps at least in heels there and back. Not easy to do. The second thing is that I just love the wardrobe. I love the fashion choice. It was kind of, I don't want to say it was camo-like, but it almost looked, I'm glad she did not wear a very long dress. I thought it was very much, it was if the country right now is in a moment that needs action. I thought that her wardrobe perfectly reflected it. And I thought her message was terrific. Just, but also just everything from this convention has been thought out. It has been put into action to have a reason for it. And so look, again, we want to go through Melania Trump's remarks again. I thought the most powerful part of her entire speech was how she framed Donald, as she called him, or President Trump, as someone who is going to fight for the middle class of this country. And when you say he cannot do something, he is absolutely going to be able to do it. Let's play some more tape from Melania Trump's speech to fight for school choice, giving parents more options to help their children flourish. My husband knows how to make a real change. From the day that I met him, he has only wanted to make this country the best it can be. For many years, I watched him grow concerned and frustrated, and I'm so proud to see the many things he has done in such a short time. America is in his heart. So while at times we only see the worst of people and politics on the evening news, let's remember how we come together in the most difficult times. So that that moment in particular, and she went on to say that when you say that Donald Trump can't do something, that is a great way to say that he can do it. She was being able to be a softer, lighter touch of let's just say President Donald Trump tells blunt truth and he is able to communicate very directly to the American people. Melania Trump has high favorability amongst suburban voters, swing voters and independents, especially in Midwestern states. Tonight, we also heard from Eric Trump and Tiffany Trump. I consider both of them friends. I thought they both delivered phenomenal speeches tonight. Tiffany Trump in particular, her speech was definitely tailored more towards independent voters and persuadable voters. Tiffany is a dear friend, and I saw her speak back in 2016. And in this speech, she really had, I think, 
she had like a star is born moment. She talked about cancel culture. She talked about big tech censorship and so much more. Uh, very, very proud of Tiffany Trump. And I just want to make sure she gets the credit that I believe she deserves tonight for the stage that she stepped up so beautifully on. Play tape of Tiffany Trump. Make America great again is not a slogan for my father. It is what drives him to keep his promise of doing what is right for American citizens. The energy of change and opportunity is with us. God has blessed us with unstoppable spirit, his spirit, the American spirit. My dad has proven to be driven by that spirit. He has demonstrated his faith and his uncompromising heart and actions. My father has made me believe that America can truly be great again. So so Tiffany there was able and there's other part where she talked about big tech censorship. But Tiffany, she she really, I think, came up to this moment and stepped up to the plate phenomenally. And, and look, so she, I think the best phrase there and I wrote it down is that make America great again is not his phrase. It is your phrase. It is our phrase as a country. It is, you know, we talk about bringing our country out of a less than desirable situation and make America great again. What does that actually mean? It means that we can get our country back to greatness, back to prosperity, back to how incredible things once were. And I think it's really important to say because the Democrats, a lot of their phrases are centered around the strategic brilliance of a specific central planner where make America great again is about we the people, which is in the preamble of our founding documents. And so I think it's, I think it's also really incredible how all of these speeches fit beautifully together, how we were able to see Tiffany Trump to Melania Trump make arguments for President Trump that were atypical than what you would have seen from just a typical political convention. Uh, Tiffany Trump had a moment where she said, this is not even just about politics. Uh, try to transcend all party lines. Try to transcend all political preconceptions and instead vote around decency and reasonability, freedom of speech and different ideas. This is a common theme. One big takeaway I have from this, and this is something I think that we are seeing from a lot of the speakers at the Republican National Convention, and is that cancel culture and the idea of, of destroying people because of opposing ideas is wildly unpopular in the eyes of the American people. In fact, we are seeing I think that we saw at least five or six speakers tonight go out of their way to say that President Donald Trump is going to defend the free speech rights of all Americans. This is a winning issue. I'm so thrilled to hear this and to actually have speakers go out of their way to talk about how President Donald Trump is going to talk and advocate for first principles, freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Another speaker tonight, and I just consider this guy to be a total hero. Uh, he is younger than I am. I thought his speech was beautifully produced. Um, I think it could have gone with, I think, I wish the audio was a little bit better because you could hear some people behind it because it was obvious that they filmed it right at the Lincoln Memorial uh, where this entire incident went down. And I think it was terrific where they chose it. It was Nicholas Sandman. Nicholas Sandman. I mean, you want to talk about the ultimate level of just kind of breaking through. Just, I mean, a lot of us in our life hope to achieve success. Very few of us are going to be able to achieve success of where you are going to be on CNN bashing CNN while being paid by CNN. This is someone that um, Hammer and Nigel said that on Twitter. I think it's hilarious. You may be cool, but you'll never be Nick Sandman on CNN bashing CNN and being paid by CNN. A common theme throughout this convention is they culture fight is that. Outside of just high taxes or low taxes or Democrats bad, Republicans good, this is a culture fight that we are going to lose 
our freedom of expression, our capacity to disagree, get in the marketplace of ideas and work things out. And no one embodies that better than Nick Sandman play tape. I learned what was happening to me had a name. It was called being canceled as in annulled, as in revoked, as in made void. Canceled is what's happening to people around this country who refuse to be silenced by the far left. Many are being fired, humiliated, or even threatened. And often, the media is a willing participant. But I would not be canceled. I fought back hard to expose the media for what they did to me, and I won a personal victory. While much more must be done, I look forward to the day that the media returns to providing balanced, responsible, and accountable news coverage. I know President Trump hopes for that, too. So for those of you that don't remember, Nick Sandman was the individual and the way he articulated it was perfect. And the, and the, pr- the story leading up to Nick Sandman's speech was phenomenal. It was captivating television where that, that agitator, that professional Native American activist goes up and bangs the drum right in his face, trying to provoke him and trying to get the footage that in Nick's own words, the footage that they needed. And then you had Bill Maher, you had Don Lemon, the CNN elitists. All of them, by the way, have really regretted what they did against Nicholas Sandman. And then Nick was able to explain exactly why he did what he did. He said, don't do anything that might embarrass your family. And what does the media think of people like Nick Sandman, who are from the heartland of our country, that wear Make America Great Again hats? What do they think of him? They think he is the enemy. They think that there is something completely and totally wrong with him. And they went out on a pathological revenge campaign to try to destroy Nicholas Sandman. But he truly gets the last laugh. Do we have a clip of him actually putting on the Make America Great Again hat or at least a still? It's absolutely incredible. When he put on the MAGA hat, it was one of my favorite moments because at the very end, he said, well, and we're going to make America Great Again, puts on the hat in front of the Lincoln Memorial. Take that scene. And while you're paying the severance to him, ultimate level of you are not going to bully us Trump supporters into total and complete submission. And so if I was kind of looking from a public polling perspective, it is very persuadable. It's it's very persuasive. That's the best way I can put it. Persuasive. When you talk about people like Nicholas Sandman, you talk about the McCloskeys, you talk about suburban women that are going to determine this entire election. That is going to be very hard for Democrats to go up against when they say, oh, Nick Sandman's actually a bad person. For every mother out there that has a kid, for for a son in particular, and you're worried about him being wrongly accused and his entire life being destroyed. Can we put that up right now? Is that on the screen? Nick Sandman putting on the hat. That is what victory looks like. You guys want to know what 2020 is going to be? You want to know the theme of this election? That picture. Print it out right now. Put it on your refrigerator. That's what it looks like. It's I'm going to put the hat on even though you try to destroy my life. You just try to destroy my family. Publicly humiliate me and entrap me by some lunatic Native American activist that came up and banged a drum in his face endlessly and filmed it. Thanks. You guys can take it off. That is exactly what victory looks like. God bless you, Nicholas Sandman, for taking on the tough fights and for going out of your way to make sure that you stand for our country and stand for the next generation. That's the other thing that I was really pleased to see. Nick was a direct appeal to Generation Z. Generation Z, young Generation Z, male voters in particular, they rightly feel under attack because they hold different views. They feel that they are being assailed because of their beliefs. They feel as if their entire life can be over if they put one bad thing on social media. And Nick Sandman is the hero personified of all those things together. And he deserves so much credit, all of their all together. Another part of this, we don't have a clip for this, but I want to just mention this is the women for Trump montage. I I just got to give the campaign credit. The 
imagery, the cinematography, the visuals of all of these videos that they play in between speakers that are five or six minutes long are phenomenal. They should run them uninterrupted on cable television, on any sort of advertising they can get their hands on. The Women for Trump montage was phenomenal. Brooke, Brooke Rollins, a friend of mine, Katrina Pearson, Stephanie Grisham, Kaylee McEnany, Ronna McDaniel, Laura Trump, Kimberly Guilfoyle, Mer- Mercy Schlapp, and Kellyanne Conway, who, of course, is the first woman to ever manage a presidential campaign. Brooke Rollins, friend of mine who's head of all domestic policy at the White House, said something incredible, that just out of senior staff at the White House, they have a combined 75 kids together. Never again do we want to hear the criticism that Donald Trump hates women. He doesn't empower women. It is outrageous. It is baseless and quite honestly should be rejected wholeheartedly. It is something that I think is one of the biggest lies that is told about this president is that he does not empower women. He has more women in senior positions, in senior staffing positions at the White House than any other president on record. I want to get to... uh Secretary Mike Pompeo, who I thought was terrific straight from Jerusalem. But before I also want to make one other point here is that when our nation stakes, when things are actually the stakes are the highest, President Trump has in, has entrusted the toughest jobs to women. And that that is a great quote right from the video. I'm just reading from some of my notes I was taking as I was watching this. You guys can also email us throughout this entire broadcast. We are going to be giving 10 signed copies of the New York Times bestseller, The MAGA Doctrine, away to 10 people that email us during this live stream. Any of your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com. That's right. It's freedom at charliekirk.com. Do we have Mike Pompeo pulled up? I want to get to Mike Pompeo, who is actually, who is phenomenal from Jerusalem. Now, you know that you're on the right path when House Democrats say they are going to subpoena and hold investigations because you give a RNC acceptance speech in your personal capacity. I just think they were mad that someone that is as well-respected and as popular as Senator Mike Pompeo made the arguments that he made at the Republican National Convention play tape. He's pulled back the curtain on the predatory aggression of the Chinese Communist Party. The president has held China accountable for covering up the China virus and allowing it to spread death and economic destruction in America and around the world. Now, look, I'm not going to take credit for anything, but I was one of the first people to put the phrase China virus on Twitter. I love the fact that Senator Mike Pompeo is unafraid to go after these fights, unafraid to take on China, call it the Chinese coronavirus, talking about lowering the temperature in North Korea, about how we armed Ukraine, we killed Qassam Soleimani, we moved the embassy to Jerusalem, the United Arab Emirates and Israel peace deal, and also bringing hostages home. President Trump is the first president in my lifetime not to go start a foreign and reckless war overseas and send our loved ones and our middle-class patriots right into the conflict. Senator Mike Pompeo articulated that beautifully and perfectly. And he actually became the first ever Secretary of State to address a convention. Of course, the House is trying to endlessly investigate him. And that just shows that you're right over the mark. Even though there were no government resources made in the creation of the speech, there are no public assistance at all whatsoever. Mike Pompeo talks about the successful foreign policy accomplishments of President Donald Trump. And Senator Rand Paul also touched on this as well. Senator Rand Paul is probably my favorite senator in the entire United States Senate. He's a friend of mine. Play tape of uh, Rand Paul. I'm supporting President Trump because he believes, as I do, that a strong America cannot fight endless wars. We must not continue to leave our blood and treasure in Middle East quagmires. I flew with him to Dover Air Force Base to honor two soldiers whose remains were coming home from Afghanistan. I'll never forget that evening. I can tell you the president not only felt the pain of these families, but that the president is committed to ending this war. 
President Trump is the first president in a generation to seek to end war rather than start one. He intends to end the war in Afghanistan. He is bringing our men and women home. Presidents who end wars get reelected. Let me say that again. Presidents who end wars get reelected. And this is something that President Trump is doing that no other president in the modern era has actually had the courage to go out of their way to try to end these endless wars. And this is something that, quite honestly, is contrarian to the Republican orthodoxy. This is contrarian to how the, the Republican establishment is supposed to view you know, political strategy. However, President Trump says, why are we spending hundreds of billions of dollars in Afghanistan, losing thousands of our loved ones so that we can try and bring ideas that are not palatable at all in the region for people that brutally hate us and do not share our worldview? President Donald Trump heroically and is correctly trying to end the endless wars. President Trump being the voice for middle class Americans. By the way, if you want to win Wisconsin, you want to win Minnesota, you want to win Ohio, it is those states paired with the southern states that are sending the most people into our armed forces. They are the ones that have had to see their loved ones go overseas to die for a cause that they themselves cannot clearly articulate after 15, 16, 17 years. And so President Trump, I'm so pleased to hear Rand Paul talk about that. And it's true. My conversations with President Trump echo that completely. When I spend time with the president, he talks about how ridiculous these wars are. And he asks, what does success look like? What does victory look like in the Kandahar Valley? Why did we invade Iraq in the first place? Which I believe, and President Trump has said this for years, that the invasion of Iraq was one of the worst foreign policy decisions in American history. And so you saw, you heard Mike Pompeo talking about how President Trump has not been a dove in the Middle East, but instead he has been a tactician, picking off certain terrorists when they dare come up against American interests, negotiating peace against the United Arab Emirates and Israel, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, recognizing the Golan Heights, but also withdrawing from Afghanistan and recognizing that endless quagmires 3,000 miles away, where 2,216 people have died in Afghanistan. And is Afghanistan in that much better of a place since we've invaded it, where 2,216 of our young warriors, men and women, have died overseas? It is unacceptable that we have been in that region for as long as we have been. And guess what? The Democrats have nothing to say about this. They have no response at all whatsoever. They always like to think of themselves as the party of peace. One of the reasons why President Trump is able to win over traditional Democrat voters is because President Donald Trump is able to communicate to middle class workers that he is no longer going to send their sons and their daughters halfway around the world to go fight for something that, quite honestly, is a mission that victory cannot be clearly argued for. Oh, we're going to be there endlessly or we have to be there or else they're going to kill us here is no longer an argument that is going to resonate with the middle class of this country. And that is how you go win the Midwest. That is how you win Ohio. That is how you win Michigan, Pennsylvania and other states. So another speaker that I want to I think we have the Eric Trump quote. I think we talked about that earlier. Let's pull up Eric Trump. I love this part when he addressed his father directly. I thought it was one of the most powerful parts of the entire evening. Eric is a friend of mine. Play tape. Lou, my father will continue to fight for you. In closing, I'd like to speak directly to my father. I miss working alongside you every single day, but I'm damn proud to be on the front lines of this fight. I'm proud of what you're doing for this country. I'm proud to show my children what their grandfather's fighting for. I'm proud to watch you give them hell. Never stop. Continue to be unapologetic. Keep fighting for what is right. 
You are making America strong again. You are making America safe again. You are making America proud again. And yes, together with a forgotten man and woman who are finally forgotten no more, you are making America great again. Dad, let's make Uncle Robert very proud this week. Let's go get another four years. I love you very much. God bless you and God bless the United States of America. Phenomenal. Such a powerful moment. Let me tell you four reasons why that was powerful. I think it was just a 45 second clip. Number one, it felt as if this was a private conversation between Eric and his father. It felt as if this was so genuine and heartfelt that he went out of his way to put it into his speech. And that really humanizes President Trump. It goes back to what I talked about that the Republican Party did so effectively tonight. Number two, did you notice a word there that you don't hear describing President Trump very often? Grandfather. That's awesome. We should talk about that more often, how President Trump is a grandfather, that he looks at things in a term of multi-generations, that he looks through things as a prism of, I am going to try to make sure not just my kids, but my grandkids can live a better life. And then you heard another word, dad, casual, as if President Trump is, yes, a president, he's a businessman, he's a billionaire, he's a mogul, but he's also a father. And the fourth thing that I really got to take away from there is Uncle Robert. And our condolences go to the entire Trump family that is mourning the loss of President Trump's brother and the uncle of Don and Tiffany and Ivanka and Baron and Eric this week. I thought that Eric Trump's little segment right there was one of the most effective. Now, whoever on the political team came up with the brilliant idea to have the naturalization ceremony filmed, Make them in charge of all of the deprogramming decisions. I have a feeling that Jared Kushner was involved because it's very, very smart what they did. So if you, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but the president and acting Department of Homeland Security director, Chad Wolf, they decided right near the top of the hour, right before I believe it was Mike Pompeo and Eric Trump and Melania Trump, There was a decision to film a naturalization ceremony. Now, this was phenomenal for a couple reasons. Number one, shows the humanity of Donald Trump. Number two, it shows and it dispels the lies of the left. Oh, Donald Trump hates immigrants. You want to see the biggest contrast between the Republican National Convention and the Democrat National Convention last week? It was unbelievable. You had this illegal immigrant on the couch that said, we deserve free stuff. Meanwhile, in this beautiful presidential fashion, you have President Donald Trump looking at five legal immigrants all of which that were just so thrilled to meet their president, get naturalized, become citizens. I think we have an abbreviated clip from this. I want you guys, if you didn't see this, it is so powerful. Play tape. Phenomenal job in so many ways. Today, America rejoices as we welcome five absolutely incredible new members into our great American family. You are now fellow citizens of the greatest nation on the face of God's earth. Congratulations. Great going. You followed the rules, you obeyed the laws, you learned your history, embraced our values, and proved yourselves to be men and women of the highest integrity. It's not so easy. You went through a lot, and we appreciate you being here with us today. You've earned the most prized, treasured, cherished, and priceless possession anywhere in the world. It's called American citizenship. There is no higher honor and no greater privilege. And it's an honor for me to be your president. Thank you very much. 
So if here's one of the reasons I like that. It felt like insider access. It felt like we could get right into this very, very human moment of President Trump being able to communicate to people as human beings. I thought it was phenomenal. And just the entire picture of it was just a total and complete repudiation of how the left has been trying to build up President Donald Trump as the anti-immigrant president. Now, I agree with President Donald Trump. It's long past time to pass the RAISE Act to restrict immigration. And I supported President Trump at having a complete and total moratorium into our country, in, especially past uh, especially past the pandemic. But the left has degraded the value of citizenship. Do you know what I loved most about that? You saw the entire swearing in ceremony. One of the parts of that that I was like, wow, that's right. They do have to do that where this, the citizens put up their hand and they said, we denounce any allegiance to a foreign power or prince. Now, some of that is, of course, just historical reciting of tradition. But it's actually really important that you are now a member of the great American family. And they all had flags and they seemed so excited. And they all, based on the descriptions that were provided, were working, spoke English. All, of, all five of those individuals based on the criteria that President Trump has put forward as what a citizen should be in our country, they met them beautifully off the charts. And it was a real sacred moment. And that's what I thought was so cool about it is that throughout the Democrats had that ridiculous moment where they were talking, these illegals were on the couch and they said, we deserve free stuff. We deserve citizenship. Donald Trump wants to throw us out. Yet Donald Trump comes through the door. They say, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States walks right into a naturalization ceremony. You could just see the people on the left lose their mind the moment that Donald Trump goes straight up to the podium and talks about the need for legal immigration, not illegal border jumping, not illegal border hopping into our country. And this is a great difference because and look, I think that if we if we really talk about what differentiates President Trump from the Democrats, it is President Trump stands for the rule of law. He stands for the Constitution. He stands for sane immigration policy. And I thought this was I, I, I got more messages on this particular moment, more so than any other moment tonight, except maybe uh, Tiffany's speech, which a lot of people texted me because they knew I I know Tiffany. I know Eric and also Melania's speech. So if we look at what citizenship actually is, citizenship should always benefit the country of which they are immigrating into. And if all of a sudden we view citizenship as this degraded, devalued, border-jumping exercise that anyone can become a citizenship citizen, and citizenship means nothing, then all of a sudden we have destroyed and disintegrated this tradition that we have in our country. And it was connected beautifully, indirectly, but it was done beautifully when Melania Trump also talked about how she was an illegal immigrant in this country and she struggled to get into America. And there was another really beautiful moment. I think we have this cl clip of Lydia Brodeen when she was talking to Vice President Pence. Vice President Pence is also a friend of mine. Vice President Pence was playing Oprah tonight. He was basically, he had the documentary special where he was kind of playing a host. I thought he was phenomenal. I thought Vice President Pence was better than Oprah back when Oprah wasn't a mean, bitter, angry person that wanted to destroy our country and talks about how awful our history is. I thought Vice President Pence was terrific as being able to get people to tell their stories about the beauty of America. Play Lydia. What did the Paycheck Protection Program mean to your company as the coronavirus struck? Yeah. 
He was a huge, tremendous help and a big blessing. And so we applied. We were accepted really quickly. We're so grateful. You can't believe how much relief we had. We want to continue serving our clients. We want to continue growing our economy, right? We want to all continue to move forward. So we were able to make it. Because of the support of family and friends, the government, um, I tell my children, you know, they are born here in the U.S. And I tell them, you are so blessed to live in America. So blessed to live in America. I did not hear that message communicated once throughout the entire Democrat National Convention. Everything was about gratitude, not anger that they live in the United States of America. It was about we are thankful that we are citizens of this beautiful gift that we have been given and the sacrifices that were made before us. And of course, America has made mistakes and individuals in America have made missteps. But how do we approach those missteps is with anger and venom and repudiation of everything that we have been given. Instead, it is an embrace of this heroic journey of our country that the next 100 years can be even better than what predated us or what preceded us. And again, I want to just give uh, Vice President Mike Pence. He was absolutely terrific. I, I think that throughout this, he talked about Abraham Lincoln. He was calm. He was compassionate. And you guys can see the political brilliance of the Trump team come through here. I just want to give them credit. Every single story, every second of programming was basically saying, like, California, New York, you guys are citizens of this country, but this is a political convention. It was about winning Wisconsin. It was about winning Minnesota. It was about winning Michigan, winning Ohio, winning Florida, and yes, even winning Maine? Yes, winning Maine. I love the state of Maine. Maine is one of my favorite places in the country. If you're watching from the state of Maine right now, email us, freedom at charliekirk.com. The first person who is e- emails us from the state of Maine, I'm going to send you a signed copy of the MAGA Doctrine. Maine has suffered from opioid addiction. Maine has been absolutely abused by the political elites for years. Maine is sometimes the, one of the most forgotten states in the entire union. Um, Maine is has the hardest working people, I think, in the entire, not I shouldn't say in the whole country because every state has hardworking people, but Some of the hardest working people I've ever been around. They are proud people. They love their country. I love spending time in Acadia National Park. It's one of my favorite places on the entire planet. And I spent time around these lobstermen. Um, and I think that's the correct term, right? Lobstermen. Yeah, I love that. Lobstermen. It makes me think of Dr. Jordan Peterson, right? Sit up straight with your shoulders back, everybody. Increase your serotonin levels. I actually have to do a better job of doing sometimes, but I love these lobstermen. And actually, if you look at the lobster industry, they are, they're suffering a lot under opioid addiction and President Donald Trump because he was tough on border security, because he was tough on the flow of drugs coming into our country. He's actually improved those communities, but also he has been talking about deregulating their industry. They love him. I think Maine is in play. This is the brilliance of the Trump strategy where the, the, the foolishness of the Democrat national convention strategy is like, let's, let's boost our numbers in Malibu and Manhattan. Like, good luck with that. President Trump's like, we're going to go win Maine. Play tape. Maine's lobstermen are true environmentalists. We practice conservation every day. If we didn't, we'd be putting ourselves out of business. Four years ago, the Obama-Biden administration used the Antiquities Act to order thousands of square miles of ocean off limits to commercial fishermen. They did it to cater to environmental activists. Although Maine's lobstermen don't fish there, Obama's executive order offended us greatly. It circumvented the Fisheries Council's input. President Trump reversed that decision, reinstating the rules that allow stakeholder input, 
and he supports a process that seeks and respects fishermen's views. And so that is a middle-class American that had his life almost destroyed under President Donald Trump in the state of Maine, where Donald Trump won one electoral vote. And President Donald Trump delivered real results for Mainers and lobstermen. And a lot of us enjoy lobster, maybe all across the country, but we kind of forget that it's American citizens and American jobs that are reliant on the American jobs that are producing the lobster that all of us enjoy as a luxury item all across the country. And so that's just one example of the brilliance of the political strategy that I think the Trump campaign was employing tonight was being able to say, we want to go win Maine. We want to go win Minnesota. The the mayor from Minnesota was also terrific. And these kind of real life middle class testimonies were phenomenal. Another part of the evening that I just thought was so moving, the language and the narrative was Billy Graham's granddaughter, Sissy Graham Lynch. Uh, I've got to know her. She's very smart, very capable. She loves the Lord. She proclaims Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. And she had some fighting words for the secular left Democrats. Play tape. Silence us. Even during the pandemic, we saw how quickly life can change. Some Democratic leaders tried to ban church services while marijuana shops and abortion clinics were declared essential. But you know what truly is essential? our right to worship freely and live our faith in every aspect of life. The Biden-Harris vision for America leaves no room for people of faith. Whether you're a baker, a florist, or a football coach, they will force the choice between being obedient to God or to Caesar because the radical left's God is government power. Obedient to God or to Caesar, that is a direct reference to the Bible talking about render under Caesar what is Caesar's. But she's almost saying that when she said this, I wrote this, no room for people of faith. Those are fighting words. And I agree with you, Sissy Graham Lynch. You are exactly right. And for a lot of any of the Christian pastors that are going out there and they are saying that we're going to go vote for Joe Biden. Well, what does Billy Graham's granddaughter have to say? Billy Graham's granddaughter talks about how marijuana and cannabis dispensaries remained open while churches were forcibly closed. I talked about in my remarks last night that churches are more important than casinos, that churches are more important than strip clubs like they are in New Jersey, why churches are more important than even Lowe's or Home Depot. And yet this entire lockdown has gone to show that our government Absent Donald Trump, our state and local leaders do not believe that salvation is essential and they do not believe that church is essential. Now, a lot of people are going out of their way to attack Billy Graham and Franklin Graham. But by doing so, they do not even recognize that it is Franklin Graham and it is it is their organization that mobilized the Central Park to go help their fellow Americans that were suffering from the Chinese coronavirus. And we forget the horror that people of faith had to live through under Barack Obama. Thank you, Sissy Graham, for reminding us what Joe Biden and Barack Obama did to people of faith. The Joe Biden campaign, they are freaking out tonight. The Biden campaign knows they have a messaging deficit to make up from. And there's a lot of there's a lot of structural problems with how the Biden campaign is now going to try to make up for this. They're going to try to run even more paid advertising that is rooted in complete and total falsehoods. But the Trump campaign by elevating and platforming people like Sissy Graham, uh, people of faith, 
to talk about these cultural issues like the Maine lobsterman or the Wisconsin dairy farmer, which I think we're going to get to in a second. That is the changing electoral map. Now, I want to just tell you guys right now, I pour over the electoral map. I spend hours a week going through the electoral map at different combinations. I know what it's going to take to get President Trump to win two 270 electoral votes. It's not an easy path. But all of a sudden, if you start talking about winning some of these states like Maine, and of course, carrying Arizona, Iowa, Ohio, North Carolina, as I call the core four. And then, of course, taking Florida. All you got to do is win one more on top of that. Then you got to win Florida plus one. So win the core four, core four, Florida, and then plus one. And that one. And of course, you got to hold Georgia, which I think is a no brainer. Hold Texas, which is going to happen. But if you hold if you do the core four, which is Arizona, Iowa, Ohio, North Carolina, which is four states that. Barack Obama won in 2008. If you do the core four plus one, President Donald Trump gets reelected as president of the United States. However, if you win the core four plus Minnesota and you do not win the first congressional district in Maine, then forget it. You are not elected president of the United States. That one vote in Maine, which President Donald Trump is probably going to win again, could bring him over the top. Pennsylvania is going to determine a lot of the electoral vote, by the way, a lot of it. But I think Minnesota is absolutely in play. You know what's so funny about Minnesota? And I think we have the mayor of Minnesota in there, and we're going to get there in a second. Mayor of a uh, town in Minnesota, which is from the Iron Belt. Is that what he called the Iron Belt or the Iron Ring? It's phenomenal. I love the language he used. It was terrific. But the one funny thing about Minnesota, it is the only state outside of the District of Columbia that Ronald Reagan did not win in that triumphant win in 1984. What incredible irony. If Donald Trump wins the White House for re-election, similar to Reagan by winning the one state that Reagan did not win, Washington, D.C., of course, not being a state. But it is the industrial Midwest. It is Minnesota. It is Wisconsin. It is those states. And then, of course, as I mentioned, Maine, that comes into play. And so you can see how President Trump and his convention were really going after that, how their entire team was trying to communicate. These states are also very pro-life states. I want to get to Abby Johnson here. Abby Johnson Phenomenal. Probably one of the best speakers of the entire evening. The media wanted nothing to do with her. The activist media that wants more abortions, not less abortions. They are going to attack her, and I think that it's already begun. Play tape of Abby Johnson, former Planned Parenthood abortion factory supervisor, who saw somebody actually execute a life in front of her. Horrific imagery. Play tape. Later in August, my supervisor assigned me a new quota to meet, an abortion quota. I was expected to sell double the abortions performed the previous year. When I pushed back, underscoring Planned Parenthood's public-facing goal of decreasing abortions, I was reprimanded and told abortion is how we make our money. But the tipping point came a month later when a physician asked me to assist with an ultrasound-guided abortion. Nothing prepared me for what I saw on the screen an unborn baby fighting back, desperate to move away from the suction. And I'll never forget what the doctor said next. Beam me up, Scotty. The last thing I saw was a spine twirling around in the mother's womb before succumbing to the force of the suction. Beam me up, Scotty, as if this is some sort of Star Trek video game. If you guys don't know the reference to Beam Me Up Scotty, it is James Tiberius Kirk in the first uh, Star Trek series used to say that when he wanted to get beamed back up to the Star- Starship Enterprise, as if it's just some sort of casual game that they're playing. This is the sinister nature of Planned Parenthood. 
If you're watching this right now and you're pro-choice, thank you for watching. I hope that you are being exposed to something that you might not have heard before. But what Abby Johnson said is a former pro-choice Planned Parenthood abortion factory supervisor. She saw a human life get sucked up and the casual nature that the abortion factory supervisors have. And I don't even call them doctors because doctors believe in first doing no harm. And by definition, abortion factory supervisors or whatever you want to call them, abortionists, by definition, they do harm. By definition, they are taking innocent life and they are destroying lives that never had a chance to actually speak for themselves. Now, some people do not understand the statistics when it comes to abortion. We did an entire podcast, and I just want to say right now, please email us your questions right now in real time, uh, freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. Please email us your questions because it's we want to hear, we want to actually answer some of your questions here in just one second. But according to the Guttmacher Institute, and I want to try to get the statistic right here. We just had it pulled up. Um, I'm going to try and find it here. The Guttmacher Institute talked about how 98.6% of all abortions in the country, 98.6% of all abortions in Florida, I'm sorry, 98.6% of all abortions in Florida were elective, were based on socioeconomic reasons. 98.6%. Pro-life is a winning message. Talking about the value of innocent lives is a victory-driven message for the Republican Party. Wisconsin is one of the most important states. I think Wisconsin actually might might determine the election alongside Minnesota. And there is this great testimony tonight from Jason Joyce. I felt like I knew him because I grew up around people like Jason Joyce in northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin. It's where I grew up. I just I, The accent felt so familiar to me, that beautiful Wisconsin Midwestern accent. Um, he talked about the Badgers. I said to myself, he's going to mention the, the Packers or the Badges. And he mentioned the Badges. He said that President Trump has a lot in common with the Badges. And play tape, Jason Joyce, Midwestern Patriot. Presented by the coronavirus, President Trump is rebuilding. And our economy is roaring back again. But when I hear that Joe Biden is ready to raise taxes crush us with regulations, and weaken our international trade position, I shudder. We simply cannot endure a Biden-induced recession. Some will struggle. Some will not survive. And working men and women of America will get crushed yet again. This is not time to hand our government over to a washed-up career politician who will be nothing but a puppet of the radical left Democrats. As a lifelong resident of Wisconsin, I'm a fan of the Badger football team. Many may not realize that the Wisconsin... So there was actually John Peterson. I got my wires crossed here. I was reading too many thing, things at once. Jason Joyce was the lobster farmer. Apologize for that. But uh, John Peterson, um, just good, decent Midwestern. I love the fact he was actually getting a little upset. I love the fact that he was actually getting a little righteous indignation because he was invested in it. He owned a Wisconsin metal business. Uh, and actually, I was getting him confused with a previous speaker who owned a Wisconsin dairy farmer. That was Chris Peterson. She was terrific. And she talked about how Trump's economic boom helped farmers all across America more than any other president in my lifetime understood and supports American farmers. 
you know, for me as someone who has to endure nothing but negative commentary when it comes to President Donald Trump, I really enjoyed these last two days. I enjoyed the first person stories. I enjoyed the different picture that was being portrayed to the American people. And I was actually very thankful that God willing, some people that think nothing but negative things about President Donald Trump were actually getting a positive perspective on the president, what he was doing, what he's been doing to our country, actually bring our country back to greatness. And I want to just convey one thing. What President Trump and the Republican National Committee and what the Republican Convention have had to do these last couple of days is very, very difficult. It's very difficult because President Trump was dealt a very unfair hand when the Chinese Communist Party sent this virus in from halfway across the world. It is very hard to get a president reelected when you have to endure something like President Trump has had to endure this past year. However, President Trump has not only endured it, he has rebuilt our country. The stock market is at record highs. The economy, we believe, is on a V-shaped recovery. And the left, more than any other time in my lifetime, and I think in the history of our country, they want to pathologically destroy this country from within. They are burning our cities. You see it in Kenosha, Wisconsin. You see it in Minneapolis. You see it in Seattle and Portland and all across the country. It is remarkable, the stakes of what we are living in right now. And so do we have a clip now of the young, the man that was pardoned? Do we? Um, Jay, what was his name? I'm sorry. So many names tonight. John Ponder, right? John, Parter, John Ponder, CEO, Hope for Prisoners. He was pardoned on live television. Incredibly emotional. I think that he played, I think he just did phenomenal. Play tape. Thank you. So now I'd like to invite John's wife, Jamie, to join us as I grant John, I'm not sure you know this, a full pardon. So I don't know if you know that, Jamie. Come on over here. It's just an honor. And uh, you have done incredible work. Thank you, sir. And all of Las Vegas and all of Nevada and all of every place in this country is very proud of you. The job you've done bringing people back. And you're right. I was supposed to be there for five minutes. I stayed for an hour you and a half. Yes. Because Sorry. it was so interesting to me. Congratulations to both. Thank, thank you, sir. Thank you. Richard, thank you very much for the job you do. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I think I'll give it to Jamie. What do you <laughs> Full pardon right there. And for those of you that did not catch it towards the first part of it, John Ponder runs an academy to help former prisoners be able to get back into the, in their life underneath them. And John Ponder being a former prisoner himself. We want to take some of your questions. Email us, everybody. Freedom at charliekirk.com. Freedom at charliekirk.com. Let's take some of your questions. But before we do, are there, I think we have a couple of clips here. No, we haven't yet played. Do we have Pam Bondi? I think Pam Bondi was a really, really effective speaker and focused clearly on the corruption on Joe Biden. She took down Joe Biden's family dealings, Hunter in Ukraine, Hunter in China, the brother of Joe Biden, James in Iraq, Costa Rica, Jamaica, and so much more. These are not isolated incidents. Instead, building the Bidens back better. And she had a one-liner I think we wrote. I'm going to say after this clip, I'm going to try to find in my notes. First play tape. When millions of Americans voted for Donald Trump, they knew he'd be different, and he is. He's a tough, no-nonsense outsider who can't be bought or intimidated. He won't even take a paycheck from the American people. 
He donates his paycheck to charities across this country. Democrats have been lecturing America about integrity for four years, while their nominee has been writing the textbook on abuse of power for 40 years. If they want to make this election a choice between who's saving America and who's swindling America, bring it on. Joe says he'll build back better. Yeah, build the Bidens back better. Our president is in this to build a safer, better, and stronger America. And he will finish what he started to keep this a real land of opportunity for everyone. One of my favorite quotes she said, she said something along the lines of Trump is rebuilding while the Bidens are swindling. I love that. I love Pam Bondi's speech because she is the former attorney general of Florida for eight years. And she was acting as a prosecutor towards the Biden crime family, which is something that is not talked about enough about how Joe Biden is saving America versus swindling, swindling America. I like rebuilding America and swindling, but saving and swindling also really good. But I don't think it's talked about enough about the about how the Biden family used their proximity to power to be able to enrich themselves. And no one delivered that message better than Pam Bondi. And I think that in some ways it was a little bit of a different message throughout the entire evening because the whole message was building up President Trump and reinforcing his humanity and dispelling lies and showing the truth of what the president has done for this country and the beauty that we have in this country of the greatest civilization ever to exist in the history of the world and our moral prerogative to fight for it and to defend it. And this kind of came out of nowhere. To be honest with you, I did not expect this. I thought Pam Bonney was going to talk about her friendship with Donald Trump. I thought she was going to talk about how Donald Trump was an effective leader towards women. All those things true. But Pam Bonney came out like a prosecutor and just laid the case against the Bidens. And that is, Republicans win when we play offense. We play win. We, we, we win when we play offense. Now, what other clips do we have here? I want to see what else we got uh, before we take some questions here. Um, let me see. I think we have... One, do we have one more of Tiffany Trump here? Let's play Larry Kudlow really quick. Our economic health is coming back with emergency spending and tax cuts. Americans are going back to work. There's a housing boom. There's an auto boom, a manufacturing boom, a consumer spending boom. Stocks are in record territory. A V-shaped recovery is pointing to better than 20% growth in the second half of this year. Now, looking ahead, more tax cuts and regulatory rollback will be in store. Payroll tax cuts for higher wages, income tax cuts for the middle class, capital gains tax cuts for investment, productivity and jobs. Much more regulatory relief for small businesses. In economic terms, folks, this is no time for a four trillion dollar tax hike. And so that 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 framing right there. And I know this might sound very simple, but people are not going to go out of their way to go vote for higher taxes. People are not going to go out of their way to reduce their incomes, especially at a time like this. Now, the Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Camara, Camara, he had one of the greatest lines. He quoted Lincoln by saying, any nation that does not honor its heroes will not long endure. I think that he gave one of the best speeches of this convention so far. He called out Biden's you ain't black comments better than any other person except maybe Senator Tim Scott last night. Very effective. Talking about diversity of thought and then powerfully said, look at me. Do we have that clip pulled? Are we getting that one up of the Attorney General of Kentucky? And he is definitely a rising 
powerhouse in the Republican Party. He is a rising star. You can just tell that he has a very bright future ahead of him. And I thought he gave a phenomenal endorsement of the president. I thought he gave one of the best summaries of what the president is doing to actually fight for forgotten America and actually being able to bring dignity to parts of America that have been so incredibly disenfranchised. So, and you guys can email us your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. One thought that just came to me, look at all of the rising stars that have been speaking at this convention of black leaders. You have Kim Klasick, Tim Scott, Attorney General of Kentucky. You also have other leaders that are scheduled to speak throughout the week. You have Jerron, who works in the White House, who's a dear friend of mine, who does a terrific and a phenomenal job. You know what was so refreshing for me is Republicans are usually not very good storytellers. And in this instance, in this instance, Republicans told better stories than even the Democrats did last week. And of course, we can't forget Vernon Jones. So let's take some of your questions. Email us freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. Jenna C says, why does the Democrat Party, by the way, you have now won a signed copy of the New York Times bestseller, The MAGA Doctrine. Why does the Democrat Party denounce wealth with so much, with so much wealth so much, yet many of their donors are mega wealthy? Well, here's why. It's because the Democrat Party has made a calculation that they want to serve the interest of the permanent ruling class, the one to two percent of our country, or even more so the one percent of the one percent. And they want to create a permanent underclass. 45 to 50 percent of our country that are addicted to government programs have very little future of actually making any sort of decent living for themselves and actually increase the pie of people that are perpetually dependent on the federal government. Their big bet is to be ruling over the most the most unequal parts of America, Silicon Valley. New York City, Manhattan, Los Angeles, where the wealthiest and the poorest people in America are going to vote for Democrats. Now, we have talked about this quite often on The Charlie Kirk Show, where if you do not have a vibrant and sustainable middle class where people can have many children, people can affordably pay for health care, people can buy a home and see their life get materially better, then that is how you're going to see a Marxist revolution happen in your country. If you do not have a sustainable middle class, your country will deteriorate. And so that's exactly why the Democrats no longer want to represent the middle class in our country. They're almost annoyed by middle class voters. They do not want the workers that shower before work and shower after work in their party. In fact, they don't want the manufacturing jobs. They do not want people that actually work with their hands. Instead, they would much rather have a country that people are permanently addicted to government programs. They have absolute and total power, and the ruling class is more important. Donald Trump actually seeks to make the ruling class less important. Let's play a tape. We got it up here. The Attorney General of Kentucky, enjoy. I think often about my ancestors who struggled for freedom. And as I think of those giants and their broad shoulders, I also think about Joe Biden, who says, if you aren't voting for me, you ain't black, who argued that Republicans would put us back in chains, who says there is no diversity of thought in the black community. Mr. Vice President, look at me. I am black. We are not all the same, sir. I am not in chains. My mind is my own. And you can't tell me how to vote because of the color of my skin. Phenomenal. He is calling out Joe Biden for the racist that he absolutely is. And if you look at the record of how the Democrats have treated the black community, black people should be defecting from the Democrat Party in record numbers. 
Here's a tweet of mine that I've sent out previously. If politicians wanted to keep black people poor, they should just send them the Baltimore public schools. A recent report in 2017 found that 13 high schools in Baltimore had zero students proficient in math. 90% of black boys in Baltimore cannot read at grade level. That is run by Democrats at the local level, the state level, and at the, honestly, the congressional level or the federal level as well. And yet they go out of their way to try to blame Republicans. Let's get to another question here. Justin Clark, do you think that all the Californians moving to Texas could present a problem for Trump winning the state of Texas? Justin Clark, that is the conventional wisdom, but actually out-of-state voter registration, meaning that new people moving to the state of Texas, are actually favoring Republicans. It is immigration and people that have come to the state of Texas that have had children, illegal immigrants that have had children, and the Hispanic trends that are voting, that are trending Democrat. That is one of the reasons why Texas is skewing blue. Zachary F. asks, how would you compare Michelle Obama's message with Melania's tonight? And how do you think that Trump's message should be when he addresses the American people on Thursday? Well, I will be there uh, in person on Thursday when the president of the United States accepts the nomination and gives his address to the American people. I think it's going to be one of the most important speeches of his presidency, one of the most important speeches of Western civilization for that. First of all, I think that Melania's speech was far better than Michelle Obama's speech. I think that Melania's speech was forward thinking. It was healing. It was magnanimous. Michelle Obama went out of her way to attack Donald Trump. I love the, I mean, you just saw the difference. Melania Trump coming on that long walk down the Rose Garden, 150 steps in heels, steps up on stage, stands up in front of a live crowd. Michelle Obama records her speech, sits down in the living room, and that's it. I mean, huge differences. Massive. And also just in the content of the speech, Michelle Obama was dark and divisive. And I love how they see, they say, oh, this Republican convention was so dark and divisive. No, it's not. That's just a lie. That's, or, that's Orwellian. It's not even a lie. It's the opposite of the truth. I mean, it would be one thing if it was just one thing off from the truth. It is the opposite of the truth. And then Bette Midler, who I didn't even know was still a thing, tweeted that quote, she still doesn't know how to speak English about Melania Trump. Democrats are racist. Democrats do not like immigrants. Democrats say they like these things. They say they're not racist. When it comes down to it, they go out of their way to attack people on their immutable characteristics or the fact that Melania Trump grew up in a communist country and is a freedom-loving American and is the first first lady of the United States to be a naturalized citizen. She speaks over six languages. She's a loving mother. And yes, she's also stunning. She's a lot better looking than you, Bette Midler, if I may say so myself. And I went there. So what? Next question. Do you, did you see ABC saying seeing Trump will be sued over the military being in the naturalization video and Pompeo being in Israel? What are your thoughts? Again, it is incredible how the Democrats will not focus on the content. They are going to try to find procedural reasons as to why that, that as to why Donald Trump should not become president of the United States. They're not going to talk about the fact that President Donald Trump actually had a naturalization ceremony. Not to mention there were two service members in the Democrat National Committee nominating video, which is far worse than an actual, nothing in that naturalization video was political. It was all just a government ceremony that was aired. And of course the Democrats are going to try to attack it because they're trying to attack it because it was effect, it was effective. It actually worked. So next question here from Jacob. You guys can email us your questions right now. Freedom at charliekirk.com. Freedom at charliekirk.com. If I select your question, you get a signed copy of the New York Times bestseller, The MAGA Doctrine. New York Times bestseller, The MAGA Doctrine. Let's get to this question right here from Jacob. Good evening. I'm a lifelong 
longer New Yorker, longer New Yorker. He said longer. I'll say lifelong New Yorker who never sought to be political or cared much for politics. This is the first year I'm going to the polls and I'm voting for our president to get a second term. God bless you. I just feel this is the most crucial time to get out and vote. You're right. I love America, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all of it. And I don't want to lose our country to backwards thinking people. Keep what you're doing and thank you and God bless. Now, is New York in play? I don't know. But here's what I will say, Jacob. Thank you for watching, by the way. And please email us so you can redeem your signed copy of the New York Times bestseller, The MAGA Doctrine. Do not think things are monolithic. Do not think things just because they are one way are going to be that way. I am encountering thousands of people. When I travel, when I travel, I was in Maine, I was in Michigan, I was in Illinois, Wisconsin, Florida, battleground states, Arizona, you name it. People are coming up to me and said, Charlie, I did not vote in 16. I never voted in my life. And now I'm voting in 2020. I'm like, you didn't vote in 2016. You didn't think it wasn't important to get Hillary Clinton elected as president of the United States. They said, no, but now it's more important than ever before. Just as articulated by Jacob's email right here. And so this is something the Democrats are not counting on. So if you go to the latest polls, which, you know, I, I, I look at some of the polls. I do. I don't believe them, but I like keeping an eye on them. I like seeing if there's trends. I think some of them actually might generally try to catch some of these trends. I think that some of these actually might. Um, is this right? What? This latest poll here between Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, North Carolina. Did you guys see this? The latest poll has. Wow, that, that, there's no way that could be right. I'm sorry. I'm reading this on Real Clear Politics in real time. There, it says the uh, average in the top battleground states has Trump up half a point in the moving average. It's pretty incredible. That poll must have been taken in the last 24 hours. I'm trying to see the poll that they're referencing here. So we're going to put that up. I'm sorry. It just kind of took me away. I was going to talk about a poll I saw earlier. Forgive my... This is the beauty of live, uh, live stream, everybody. You get to see my reaction. I'm like, how on earth is that possible? By the way, Trump's favorability is up four points in just the last couple of days. That, that's how you know it is a good and well-executed election. Let me see right here. Oh, I'm sorry. I see what they did here. Okay, that was that was just a selection of a couple polls. I see exactly what this is. What this was is a battleground states Trump in 2016 versus 2020. I was looking at this on Real Clear Politics. That Trump is actually up a point on 2016 than he was in uh, in 2020 here. What I was going to right now is just the people are surveying likely voters versus actual voters versus newly registered voters. So someone like Jacob, who's just recently registered to vote, he is not going to be reflected in the polling. Jacob is not going to be reflected in the polling, mostly because Jacob is a new voter. He's no one's going to call him. And so, Jacob, thank you for your question. When I look at this poll right here, let's take this poll, for example, in Minnesota that has Donald Trump tied in Minnesota. That's right. According to the Trafalgar Group, which had which had actually was the most accurate polling going into the 2016 election has Donald Trump polled with tied with Joe Biden. They're still going with likely voters. That's right. They are going with likely voters. New voters that are just coming and getting registered right now. And by the way, Republicans are outpacing Democrats with new voter registrations. That's right. Republicans are outpacing Democrats with new voter registrations. Actually, let me get a uh, citation for that. So there was one during the coronavirus, which is at GOP. This is on July, July 20th. July 11th, 2020, Trump gets some good election news. GOP voter registration outpaces Dems. A slowdown in adding new voters in the rolls during the pandemic has played to the Republicans' advantage. This is July 11th, 2020. And you go through this, that in all the battleground states, more Republicans are registering than Democrats in the states of Florida, Colorado, Maine, North Carolina, Pennsylvania. Democrats have made up a smaller share of new registrants than ever before. Something's happening in this country. It's not going to be reflected in the polling, everybody. You can feel it. You got people coming up. They're like, I'm voting Republican. I'm not going to let the arson, the looting, the terrorism, the insurrection go unaddressed. 
I love my country. Joe Biden will not leave the basement. And we're starting to see that reflected in this beautiful convention. Let's get to the next question here. Joy C. from Idaho. Please keep on emailing your questions, everybody. Freedom at CharlieKirk.com. Freedom at CharlieKirk.com. Hello, where do you feel millennials stand on this election? How do you feel their vote will affect the outcome? A couple thoughts on this. Number one, I think that with campus closures, it's going to benefit Donald Trump. They cannot ballot harvest. They can't cheat. They can't do voter fraud. They can't drive people directly to the polls. That's one of the things. Also, I think that record amounts of millennials and Gen Z are going to vote for Donald Trump. I mean, you just look at this YouTube stream right now. We got 4.2 thousand people watching, most of which are young people. We filled up the entire convention hall, which was a church in Phoenix, Arizona, with 3,300 young people in the midst of pandemic. It was 107 degrees outside for the Students for Trump Turning Point Action Rally back in June. There's something very special happening in this country that I do not think is getting really articulated by any of the public polling. But you're starting to see it in just the amount of people that are engaging into this convention, the ratings, the people that are defecting the new voter registration. I think you've got to factor all those things in together for some very sizable trends that are happening. And yes, you have to go out and vote. You have to go vote in person. Try to actually show up to the polls. I think that Donald Trump is going to win the youth vote in certain states. I think he's going to lose the youth vote in New York and California. But there is no enthusiasm for Joe Biden. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have no enthusiasm whatsoever for younger voters. In fact, younger voters, Generation Z and millennials, they are repulsed by Senator Harris and they think that Joe Biden is a complete and total mockery. I think that Donald Trump has an amazing opportunity to make gains in these communities. He really does. And that's something that we are doing every single day at Students for Trump. And I think that young people actually might be one of the deciding reasons as to why Donald Trump wins four more years in the White House. I actually think that is one of the reasons why Donald Trump is going to win and why Joe Biden is going to lose. Let's get to your questions here. Freedom at CharlieKirk.com. Freedom at CharlieKirk.com. Hi, Charlie. Love the show. How can Trump change the narrative that Democrats are portraying that he has not done enough to combat the Chinese coronavirus? Well, look, you know what's one of the things that no one's talking about? In almost all of the key battleground states right now, I'm going to share some numbers with you guys. Trends are heading in President Trump's direction when it comes to the virus. If you actually look at, let's for, let's take, for example, some of the Sunbelt states. Let's take Florida, for example. They reached their peak almost six weeks ago, where they had 11,870 daily new cases. That has been cut by almost 75%. You were looking at the Sunbelt, like Arizona, Florida, and Texas. A lot of their summer peaks, they are actually going down. And so President Trump, I think, on Thursday has to communicate that. And look, by mid-September, if the virus becomes a backseat issue, President Trump is going to have a phenomenal coalition of support to get him to win four more years. From Maggie V, she says, I'm from Wisconsin. We are seeing riots like never before due to the recent shooting. How do you see the riots affecting the polls? It's not going to help Democrats. And if you are seeing the riots, Maggie V, tell your friends right now, say, you have to go vote Republican right now. Go register as a Republican right now and get your ballot and vote as soon as you possibly can and go vote in person. The riots are going to be one of the main reasons why the Republicans, I believe, are going to keep the Senate and God willing, Donald Trump is going to win re-election. And communicate that to people. You see the business owners that are losing their businesses. You are seeing decent, reasonable people getting slaughtered in the streets. Hey, Charlie, 20-year-old future politician here. I live in New Jersey and fear mail-in voting fraud. How can I ensure that my vote actually goes to Trump? And do you think mail-in voting will affect the election? Yes, when you got ballots everywhere. If Donald Trump loses, it'll be because of the ballot fraud. It's that simple. It'll be because of vote-by-mail ballot fraud. We have to have the lawyers. We have to have the infrastructure and the capacity to be able to fight back against it. It is a huge issue. How do you actually deter against it? Go vote in person and turn in your ballot in 
person. Hi, Charlie. I love your podcast and listen to it every day. I'm a high school conservative from California. And let me tell you, it's not easy being one. How would you recommend bringing these topics up in class discussion on class debates in my U.S. history course? Thank you for everything you do. Ask questions. Eden, the best way to address it is to ask questions. And also, be just be ready and anticipate being mocked, being persecuted, and really becoming a public enemy of the teacher. But ask some questions. Say, don't you think it's interesting how Donald Trump doesn't think someone is not black if they don't vote for him? Why does Joe Biden think that? Always ask questions. That is the way that you're able to win the argument. Everyone, please keep email, emailing us, freedom at charliekirk.com. If you are watching us on Facebook, make sure you just please click that podcast link right now. I'm going to give away another 10 signed copy of the, uh, of the MAGA Doctrine. We have a whole pile right here. Free copies of the MAGA Doctrine. All you have to do is you email us, freedom at charliekirk.com to show that you are subscribed to, uh, subscribed to this show, the Charlie Kirk Show. Subscribe, five-star review, screenshot, and email us in, freedom at charliekirk.com. We're going to give out another pile of MAGA Doctrine books tonight, right here, right now. In closing, Tiffany Trump was phenomenal. Very proud of her as a friend. Eric Trump, one of the best moments. The RNC tonight showed the humanity of President Trump. It really dispelled a lot of the bitter and sinister lies of the left. It showed the truth of the president and it celebrated the, our country, this gift that we have been given, this gift that has been preserved and protected and fought for. It made the argument for pro-life. It talked about school choice more effectively than Republicans ever have. And we've been talking about this on this program for so long, that school choice for black kids, school choice for all Americans is going to be a winning issue. And people are going to support that politically coming into November. They talk about Trump rebuilding while Biden was swindling. Nick Sandman gave one of the greatest, I think, cultural arguments as to why President Trump deserves four more years in epic, dramatic form. The Democrat mayor from Minnesota gave one of the best arguments for why President Trump can preserve our steel industry and the iron backbone of America. And then Melania capped it off. 150 steps in heels, coming down the Rose Garden, taking that epic left turn, giving a speech to unite our country as an immigrant, someone who speaks six languages, someone who loves her husband and loves her country, all capped off while President Trump and her walk past that. And she's what she, her fashion choice, aesthetic, incredible. The Republican National Convention, a celebration of the greatest country ever to exist in the history of the world. The Democrat National Convention, inherent contradictions. Sparring past each other. Not celebrating America, but condemning America. That's what's going to be on the ballot coming into November. Whether we want to have quiet and peaceable lives. Whether we want to believe that church is more important than a casino. Whether we want pastors to not be locked up, but instead we want violent prisoners to go to jail and stay in jail. In California, 17,000 violent criminals have been released from California. Now is the call to action. Everyone, please subscribe to my podcast right now. We got to deliver President Trump four more years. We are going to be back with you tomorrow night. Email me your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com. If you can prove you're subscribed to this program through the podcast, not just YouTube, we're going to send you a signed copy of the MAGA Doctrine for 10 of you that do that tonight. God bless you guys. See you tomorrow night. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.